Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. My debut book, Manifest, Seven Steps to Living Your Best Life, is out now, and you can order it from Amazon, Waterstones, or any other major bookshop. In this book, you will learn absolutely everything that you need to know about manifestation. You will understand that it really is a self-development practice to live by, to empower yourself, to step into your light, to become the best version of yourself that exists, and to attract anything you want into your life. I cannot wait for you all to read it. And if you love it, please don't forget to rate and review on Amazon, Audible, or wherever you purchased it from. Thank you so much and happy manifesting. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Moments That Made Me with me, your host, Roxy Nafusi. I am so excited for today's guest. It is the absolutely incredible Scarlett Moffat. Scarlett is a TV presenter, podcaster and author. She was also named Queen of the Jungle when she won I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here in 2016. I cannot tell you how looking forward I am to this um, and to discover her three defining moments that got her to where she is today. Hi, Scarlett. Hello. How are I'm you? I'm so excited. Like, honestly, I listen all the time. I can never say his name right, but you had Will Poulter on. Oh, my God. He was the first episode I ever recorded. I was shitting myself. <laughs> oh, he was like, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Because, like, when I watch him on movies now, mm. I just, I think, you you like meditating. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like I know him more. I'm like, and then when I'm watching films with my friends and I'm watching, I'm like, he likes meditating, you know? <laughs> he got his first break when he was uh, when he was 12. I feel like he gets to know inside information. Oh my God, that's so funny. He's so great. He's so, And he's so handsome. Yeah, he's very handsome. He's like unconventionally handsome, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I'm a big yeah. fan of Will. But Scarlett, we jump straight in on this podcast to your first defining moment. Oh, <laughs> um, I think it would be when I was around 11, sort of lots of things happened to me that at the time it wasn't it was a hard time, but I feel like it's made me who I am today. So within the space of sort of three months, my um, my dad got diagnosed with skin cancer and they didn't know if he was going to make it because the tumour was wrapped around his spine. <gasps> and then I smashed my teeth on my bike which then resulted in me getting 
Bell's palsy. And I then developed um, sudden onset tics, which is like a mild form of Tourette's. So within sort of like a few months, just everything changed. I was quite lucky up until that moment that I'd been able to be this naive child sort of bubble wrapped and nothing Mm. bad had ever happened. So I didn't really understand that, you know, life wasn't rainbows and unicorns because up (laughs) until then it it sort of was. Um, But I do think it made me a stronger person. I know that's very cliche, but I do Mm. think and that sometimes you have to have difficulties so that you can appreciate good times. Mm, 100%. Oh, my gosh, I had no idea. And that is like a hell of a lot to go through. One of those things alone is is something most people will never have to experience in their lives, let alone all three. And for those who are listening, because... Funnily enough, my sister had Bell's palsy and I've never ha- I've never met anyone else or ha- spoken to anyone really? else who's had it. So for those who don't know what Bell's palsy is, could you could you explain? It's it sort of looks like you've had a stroke because it paralyzes muscles on one side of your face. Um so I just Literally, I remember, I was probably too old to be playing with Cabbage Patch dolls, by the way, but <laughs> I remember I was playing with Cabbage Patch dolls and I was, like, making them talk to each other. And all of a sudden, my face just drooped, like, my whole face, oh, my God, eyes, you remember my the mouth. exact moment? Yeah, it was, like, it's so, so weird, that, isn't it? Because I can't even remember what I had for my breakfast this morning, but I can remember that moment so vividly. <gasps> and I remember standing in front of the mirror and literally screaming into it, trying to get my face to go straight. And I remember just sort of looking and shouting my name. I was shouting Scarlet, Scarlet, trying to get it to to go normal. And then when I went downstairs, my my mum was just like, what's happened? Like she thought I'd fell and hurt myself. Um, And then... And then, yeah, then I got the diagnosis of Bell's palsy, which they don't quite know why I got it. They said it could have been, like, through the trauma of the accident and things. Mm. Um, but they didn't They didn't quite know why I got it. But luckily, um, I had, like, speech therapy and I had, like, steroid treatments. So it did, it did go. I still haven't got a symmetrical face, but, again, I've, that's something I've... I've learned to embrace. It was uh, for for many years, I didn't dare get in photos. Like one Mm. of my biggest regrets is because I smashed my teeth and I had Bell's palsy. I just hated the way I looked. And I don't Mm. have any photos with my grandma where I'm smiling. And that's the biggest regret ever. So now I think I make up for it by probably being annoyingly happy. (laughs) Like I feel like I'm never not smiling now. Oh my, I really... I feel really emotional. I just Aww. like thinking about your younger self and just how traumatic that must have been to like to that, you know, you describing yourself looking in the mirror and just screaming. It's just, it's just such a lot for a child to go through. And I just, oh, I just want to give like your younger self a hug. And oh, thank you. That's so, that's so kind of you. Yeah, I think, 
and you know, like I, I actually do like speaking about Bell's palsy now because mm. I feel like it's actually a condition that affects a lot of people, but it's quite unheard of. I think mm. unless you've had someone in your family have it, you know, it's it's a condition that no one really quite understands. Um, yeah. And I do get a lot of people messaging me who's had it and being like, oh, like, thank you, because now I know I'm not the only one. And, you know, yeah. so I, I like to talk about it. And I've been able to come full circle and I've actually done a documentary, which is something really new for me, for Channel mm. 4. And that's all about uh, there's been this sudden rise of young girls getting onset ticks, which is right. something I had shortly after my Bell's palsy. And, yeah, it's been really interesting because... Normally, uh, sudden onset ticks, which is like a mild form of Tourette's, um, mm. it comes in young boys. But during lockdown over the last two years, um, you know, hospitals have went from seeing four to five teenage girls a year to seeing four to five weekly or monthly. Wow. Um, so they think it's maybe the the stress of lockdown. Mm. So it's been... It's been really interesting to sort of come full circle and 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 show people, you know, like your your ticks can can fade eventually in in mm. some people, and yeah, it's been it's been good. One hundred percent. I think there's nothing more empowering than being able to use our own experiences for good and to help others and make them feel better. And you know, it really is. It's so true that I think when you hear some that somebody else has gotten through something that you're going through, you do feel just like there's hope, and and that's such a powerful thing, you know, hope. Um, so for you, I I assume the text came as a result of the stress and the the trauma of the Bell's palsy. Yeah. So what? Uh, how did? What was it for you? Feels, um, I think just everything that happened with my dad because we didn't know if he was. Like I was only 11 and mm. I remember sort of my mum explaining that my dad might not be back for Christmas <gasps> and that he's poorly. And then so we would go and see him in hospital, but no one ever really told me exactly what was wrong. And then one night I heard um, my mum on the phone to my nan talking about cancer. And mm. so I then like sort of started asking everybody at school um, and it just sounded like this really scary thing. And then mm. I remember just being really fearful. But my dad never, even in hospital, like never showed that he was, mm. you know, he, he was very strong. Like whenever I yeah. would come in, he would just pretend that he, he'd be like, oh, we're just having a checkup, you know. Oh. And he ended up having, I think it was like 120 stitches in his back. He had to have oh a leg graft and everything. But he does use that to his advantage because when we go on holiday now, because he's got a big, like, scar, it's like a delve in his back, he tells people he was bitten by a shark and he gets loads <laughs> of free drinks. <laughs> like, he just tells lies. He just tells this cool story. He's like, yeah, I was bitten by a shark, swam off. People like, get, get the shots. <laughs> get the shots. Um, so for you what what were your ticks so I had um I'd blink a lot so it almost felt as if uh my eyes were <laughs> this sounds really silly but it felt as if my eyes weren't wet enough so I would I would blink loads and loads right. and then I'd have like a short breath uh tick where I'd I'd, I'd just breathe constantly but like really shallow breaths mm. um 
and sometimes little shoulder jerks as well. That was only when I was um, really stressed or if I try to suppress my tics. So if I, because I, if I was at school and I really concentrated on not ticking, then as soon as I get home, like I'd just tick more. It right. would be, you know, like when you feel yeah. like you need to sneeze, <laughs> it was almost like that feeling. Yeah. So then you'd be like, it would be a release when you'd get home and finally be able to do it. But um, I'm really fortunate that I, that I came out of that. But some of the amazing young women that I've met who do have tics really enjoy it. You know, they think that it gives them sort of a, a personality it's like a yeah. character trait so I feel yeah. like it, it I feel like people are a lot more accepting now than they sort of were late 90s early 2000s I feel like we're all a bit kinder to each other I think so I definitely think so and do you think that that because obviously now it's like I love that you've said that now even though you said annoyingly happy but I, I, I don't think it's annoying I think it's amazing and I think you've obviously used it to you know, really empower you and who you are now and and gone, right, I'm going to smile as much as can and, you know, and really make the most of, of today and the present and all of that. But do you, did you find as a teenager, it affected your confidence? Because I feel like those, I don't know, those years, you know, you know, it's just, they're mind boggling and we're all trying to figure out who we are and... (laughs) Yeah, I feel like whoever said being a teenager is like the best days of your life oh, were no. absolutely lying. <laughs> yeah, because I don't know anyone where they're like, oh, I wish we could go back in time and go to school. Like no, no. one ever said <laughs> no that. One. Like I couldn't think of anything worse, to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, I think because, you know, it's a time when you're trying to fit in because all you have is school, really. Mm. So it's like a huge part of your life. So... I, I did, I, I'm I'm so, I wish I could go back and just give myself a shake and mm. say like, you don't have to fit in. Because I went through so many phases. Like I remember getting my mum and dad to buy me some Fred Perry jumpers so that I could be a chav, so that I could blend in with the chavs. <laughs> then I went through like a goth stage and I'd get in trouble for wearing eyeliner all the time. I went through a bit of an emo stage I just did anything to fit in because as a kid, I was quite odd anyway. Like me and my dad would go metal detecting and would do um, war reenactments and we'd go looking for crop circles. And so I've always been quite an odd kid, which then was emphasized by the fact that I smashed my teeth. I could eat an apple through a letterbox and half my face was droopy. You know, I do understand why I was an easy target. Like I can laugh about it now because I think, as much as I had low confidence, what it did mm. teach me is I never wanted to make anyone else feel as bad as I felt. Oh. And I think from that, I ended up becoming a kinder person. Mm. And I think that's a big a big thing in my whole life now is to make sure that I'm as kind as possible. And to be honest, I, you know, when I got on Gogglebox, I did that as a favour to a friend. And that was through being kind. So I do think, uh, you know... If all that hadn't happened, I probably wouldn't be where I am now. Oh, I love that. You know, I don't think I would. And you you can tell, like, you have such a warm energy. Like, you really do. I can, like, even talking to you, I'm just smiling. And by the way, me and my sister were obsessed with you on Gogglebox. Like, we would sit every week and watch it, and you were, like, our absolute faves. She's going to be buzzing (laughs) that I'm recording. (laughs) <laughs> yeah we I, absolutely loved it. it was so did you enjoy that 
Then did you expect it to get so big? No, I mean, we got on. I never applied or anything. So I went to college with a guy called Tommy Mm. and um, he rang me one day and he said, oh, I've got this job as a researcher. And I thought he meant like a scientist. (laughs) And I was like, oh, a researcher, what are you researching? And he said, oh, no, it's for TV. And I was like, oh, right, okay. what?" what?" And he said, I need to get um, a family from County Durham to represent the Northeast on a show called Gogglebox. He was like, you know quite a lot of people. Would you do me a huge favour? Ring around, see if anyone's interested. So I said, okay, what's what's the premise of the show? And he went, so you watch the telly? I went, uh uh-huh. And he went, yeah, that's it. And I went, like, I went, honestly, I went, that sounds shit. I've never, I went, they'll make shows about anything that you're watching people watch telly. I was like, nah, they've run out of ideas now. The world's gone mad. Um, So no one wanted to do it. And he was like, look, can you just do the audition for us? And I was like, no, because we don't want to be on telly, Tommy. And he said, no, it's just so it looks like I've done my job properly. I was like, aye, all right then. So they came round. And I think actually, because we didn't want to be on it, it meant we were really relaxed because we right. weren't trying to perform. Yeah. Um, and that was like on a Saturday. And then on the Monday, we got a phone call saying, yeah, we'd like you to be on the show. Oh, and then they were like, my goodness. Yeah. And I was like, no way. And it was my dad's that actually was like, no, come on, we've got to do it. It's 50 quid each and a free takeaway. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're right. You're right. Let's do it. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, I love that so much. Oh my goodness. I really feel, I don't know, I feel like you were meant to, you were meant to be where you are to, because of everything you've been through so that you could help like thousands of other people. I really do. It's so aligned. Thank you. I mean, I know there's lots of people who go through worse than me, you know, I'm in no sort of you know, I understand that. But I do think, um, like, when you have a platform, mm. even if you're not exactly, like, searching for a platform, mm. you should use it in, like, the best way I agree. possible. Oh. Well, at least try anyway. I'm not saying I don't make mistakes because I do, but I try. <laughs> I think you're doing amazing. So, Scarlett, what was then your second defining moment? I would say probably winning I'm a Celebrity. Mm. even though I hate that word celebrity, you know. <laughs> like, it makes me cringe. Like, I actually, I love the show. I always call it The Jungle. And I was like, oh, when I won The Jungle, because I just, even when I was on it, it felt like, I, I think I had massive imposter syndrome because it felt like I was not a celebrity. You know, right. I was, I was <laughs> around with, like, Larry Lamb and Carol Vorderman and, and Joel Dommer and all these people. I was like, and then I was just, Sort of on the telly, watching telly. Oh, you know? you. You're so <laughs> like sweet. A <laughs> like no. a cheat. But I think that was definitely a defining moment in the fact that um, I felt accepted. You know, oh, I felt like yeah. it was all right to be a bit, a bit weird. And I feel sad that it took me so long to sort of get that. And you should never sort of want. Uh, you should never have to feel acceptance through other people. It has mm. to come from within yourself first. Mm. But I think that did massively help me go, oh, so I don't need to try and look a certain way or act a certain way. Like mm. I can just be a bit weird. Yeah. 
that I mean what an amazing thing to learn it doesn't matter when you learn it as long as at some point you do like it's yeah. life-changing it it really is because it it sort of just put everything into perspective I felt like I'd spent so long missing out like mm. whether it was through the way that I look like I remember before doing I'm a Celeb um going on holiday with my friends and not going to pool parties because I didn't dare, I I thought everyone would laugh at me or I would, you know, wear a baggy T-shirt and then quickly whip it off as I was getting into the pool. Like I'd have, I'd walk in like to the pool side on holiday and I'd strategically work out where the best place to sit was that I couldn't be seen and and, you know, and I, I feel like I hid for so long, even mm. like when I watch um, old episodes of Gogglebox, because I, I love watching Gogglebox. Mm. Um, and I, I, I sit all the time, like right on the edge of the sofa or with a cushion over me, you know, just mm. to try and make myself as small as possible. Yeah. And I missed out on so many great opportunities, like so many wonderful life experiences, all because I was that bothered about fitting in and being accepted so after I'm a celeb I was sort of just like do you know what some people are gonna like me some people aren't Mm. and that's fine do you feel like it was almost exposure therapy like you were so seen in the jungle there was nowhere to hide and then and then you were accepted for and not just accepted loved and like you know people and and you were entertaining and uh, you know and people and you won I mean you won and do you think that that was you know or you had to face all your fears and do it and then it was all better than you imagined it could be and then that was just like the push yeah I think I was sort of catapulted into where the unknown because I didn't really know you know, all I'd done is Gogglebox. We didn't go to, like, red carpet events. I wasn't, like, in the paper or, you know. So all of a sudden I was, like, bombarded with images of myself. Mm. And, you know, every day I was getting trolled. And I think if I didn't look at myself and think, actually, you're all right, I think it would have been a different story. You know, I think mm. I sort of had to go, no, Scarlett, like, you're fine as you are. Like, it doesn't matter if these people don't like you. Right. Um, It's a bit like, you know, if you're a hairdresser and you're looking in front of the mirror all the time. Hmm. Like, you you sort of accept yourself a bit more because you're like, yeah, that's what I look like. Right. It was a bit like that. that. And do you think that, um, because I can, I feel like the jungle is such a unique experience. Was it like therapy? Like, is there something quite therapeutic about it? This Because it's so, I don't know what the word is, but. You've not got any of your well, normal so distractions and yeah. Yeah, and like even uh if you went to trials and stuff, the people who would take you there, like they they wouldn't be allowed to talk to you. You know, the watchers would have stickers on, so you had no concept of time or anything. You know, it really is that it really mm. does feel like you're fighting for food. <laughs> it really feels like a proper jungle experience. Like yeah. all my friends were like, yeah, but do they give you bacon sandwiches? Like, do they just... and I'm like, no, I promise you, like, you're really, you're really not. I think, um, I, I think it was just like, you, you just have no phone. You're not with your loved ones, the people who normally sort of protect you. And you're mm. with your own thoughts quite a lot. I think that was the first time ever that, like, you sort of just had hours to kill 
with your own thoughts. Mm. And and I realised without sounding big-headed that I actually like my own company, which is something that I'd, I would avoid before. I'd mm. always try and make sure I was around noise and a buzz. Mm. Um, whereas I was like, oh, I actually, I don't mind being left with my own thoughts. I love that. And there's nothing, I think that is, for me, that is kind of a definition of happiness is when you can just sit with yourself doing nothing and you're just like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Like, this is nice. <laughs> That's like contentment, isn't it? Um, and the last thing I want to ask you about that is you mentioned trolls and, um, you know, I think I forget that they're like, cause I'm always like, oh, it's so great. But there is that side of it and there is that dark side of you know, being recognized and, and being, you know, in the public eye and how do you, and how did you, or how's your relationship to it changed and how do you kind of cope with it so that it doesn't affect you and get into your subconscious? I think the key is, is happiness. Like before, if ever I wasn't in a happy place within myself, as in things weren't going particularly well or, you know, you have an argument with friends or family, then I realised that the trolls had more of an effect on me Mm. because I wasn't happy in myself. So I almost went searching to see the bad things, you know, almost like a woe is me, you know, let's bully myself, you know. Oh, my God. It's It's like um, (laughs) self-harm. Yeah, it it is. I think it is like self-sabotage, you know, like, mm. but I go searching for it. It almost became mm. like, you know, you just sort of, you can't help yourself. Yeah. Um. But, but and and I think the thing that got me, I remember, um, so the one thing that I like, liked about myself, I do like, is my nose. I've got like, my dad always says, oh, you've got a Disney princess nose. So it's something that I always loved about myself. Mm. And when I came out of the jungle, there was loads of articles saying um, rhinoplasty surgeons say Scarlet's gone too far and all these articles about my nose, which I was born with. Also, if I had had surgery, which I hadn't, it's my body, my choice anyway, you know, so it doesn't matter anyway. But it was my actual nose that I was born (laughs) with. And I remember sitting one night and Google, like literally for for about seven hours, Googling uh, to find a surgeon that could make my nose bigger. Stop. Yeah, and I remember just feeling so sad and then and, and sort of just being like, Scarlett, you can't change everything about you because they're going to find something else. Mm. And so I think I just... And you do have a perfect nose, correct, by the way. You do, (laughs) just so you know. I'd I'd start talking about it then because I think the thing is because, like, I'm really close with my mum, dad and little sister. Mm. And because they thought I was living the dream, I didn't want to shatter that illusion. So whenever I was feeling sad, I didn't dare talk about it to them because I I almost felt like I'd be letting them down. Whereas whereas then I realised, actually, it's good to speak out. Mm. Like, a, you know, what is it? A problem shared, shared is a problem, is a problem halved. halved. Yeah, and, it, and yeah. so I, I did struggle. And and I'd be lying if I said it doesn't still bother me. It does some days, but not nearly enough. Like, not I'd, I'd say the positives outweigh the negatives now. And now I yeah. actually, if I do get trolled, I message the trolls 
Um, and I send them the number for Samaritans. I ask if they're okay. Because I think sometimes we picture trolls as these sort of mythical creatures that live under a bridge, when in actual fact, they're just people, like, exactly the same as me and you. But I know I've never wanted to project that much hate onto someone. So I try and put myself in their situation and think, how are they feeling to be that angry? And so now when I get trolled, I message them the number for Samaritans and I'll ask if they're okay. And like 99.9% of the time, they'll be like, I am so sorry. Like, no, I'm not in a good place. Thank you for reaching out. Because... They're just sad people, you know, this sad, like there's a reason why they're so angry, you know, because mm. no one happy does that. No, I agree. And also, I think you made a really good point at the beginning that how, what kind of spe- yeah. state you're in, it really determines how you take something on, like how you feel about a comment. And I think that's so true in life anyway. Everything is about our state of mind and how we're feeling. And so, I think being conscious of what we're letting in. So if you're having a bad day, you know, not maybe being on Instagram where you're, you could be open to those kind of, you know, negative comments or whatever. Um, And also just, you know, emphasizing the importance of self-love and self-development and why, you know, if we all work on ourselves, everything, (laughs) you know, as a community becomes better. Yeah. And I think like one of the big things that it sounds such an easy thing, but like, I would just, anyone who made me feel crap about myself on Instagram, and I don't just mean trolls, I mean people who, you know, like I'd feel down because they'd always be talking about, I don't know, going, like triggers for me, like going to the gym all the time or the life would appear perfect or if I was single and feeling like I wanted a boyfriend, for some reason I'd follow loads of happily married people to torture <laughs> myself every day. I then, I then just deleted those people or muted yeah. them so they didn't come up on my feed. You know, it's yeah. like little things like that. So the first thing you do when you wake up isn't going, oh, wow, look how amazing everyone else's life is but mine. You know, it's like, <laughs> so and also just the power, knowing the power is within you is that, Something can only affect you if you let it, mm, you know, 100%. because someone can say something, but you, you own the power. You can go, actually, no, fuck yeah, that doesn't bother me. Yeah. And get on with your day. It's, I completely it, it, agree. It, is a, it is a hard thing to do. It's not just as easy as that. It's something you have to really work on. And I never thought I'd say this, but mindfulness is my new best friend. I never oh, thought I'd be yes. the person that would meditate or would manifest or would, you know, sort of do affirmations on a morning. I never thought I'd be the person who'd wake up on a morning going, today's going to be a good day. Because I thought it was all like hippie stuff, but it isn't. Like it actually, I promise you, from like a Geordie lass who it's so far-fetched from her life it really works like it really works oh I love to hear it I really do (laughs) I love it Push Your Peak is a brand new podcast brought to you by What Bike. Join me, Louise Minchin, and some of the world's most incredible sports people to learn what it takes mentally and physically to push yourself beyond your limits. Whether you're an elite or everyday athlete, it can be hard to continually progress. How do you push yourself 
out of your comfort zone. Where do you go to find that inner drive? Tune in to hear these inspiring stories and take away the belief that you can achieve your own goals, no matter how big or small. You can find us wherever you got this podcast. Just search Push Your Peak. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So Scarlett, what was then your third defining moment? Well, I've always been a person who's very like, I don't need no man. I'm very <laughs> independent. But it is actually um, meeting my boyfriend, Scott. Uh, I've been with him three years now. And I think I'd sort of given up on love. I felt like it was my fault that I was sort of just getting with assholes, really. Like, I, I, I tended to... I think because I was in a, I was vulnerable, like I was in a bad place. I'd almost choose people who I knew were wrong for me. You know, I, I chose people who they ended up as soon as we split up selling stories or going on, going on TV shows. You know, it was obvious they were using me and all my friends mm. and family around me would tell me, but I, I just didn't want to hear it. And I started to think, well, maybe this is all, all I deserve. And then as soon as I met Scott, and he's just a really kind person, I think when you're younger, you when you're thinking about be- becoming in like a, in a relationship, you have a list a mile long. And I <sighs> realised that the only thing that's important is being with someone who's kind mm. and everything else is a bonus. So true. So how did you guys meet? And was it like instant? Tell me. I want to know everything. <laughs> so we um we actually have known each other since we were like 17. No. So we, we live in the same village and stuff. And um I've always quite fancied him to be fair, but it <laughs> never sort of worked out. And then I hadn't seen him for maybe four years because I lived in London. He'd pop up on my Facebook sometimes, but we'd not speak or anything. And then I had this weird 
pop dude, like paparazzi dude, hanging outside my house. But when I say outside my house, I mean like in my garden. Oh, um, and yeah, so it was quite scary because I'd just moved in by myself and I was 27 and there was oh, this like, God. you know, 50-year-old dude in my garden and I was like, oh. So I rang the local police station because I thought, this is not nine. It's not an, mm. I'm not in like emergency, but I'm a bit scared. Um, yeah. And they were like, oh, actually, we'll dispatch um, some police officers out to you. And Scott was one of the police officers. No. Yeah. Oh, and- <laughs> my God. This is the best story ever. <laughs> and uh, and he walked in, and I've got a little uh, chihuahua called Bonnie, and she didn't bark at him. And I was like, that's weird, because normally she, like, <gasps> she knew. is an angry dog. And I was like, <gasps> oh, she really likes you. Um, And then he'd actually dramatically lost weight I think he'd lost something like six stone so he looked like a different human being yeah and um and he was like oh you don't recognize me and I was like oh my word I was like no I didn't (laughs) um (gasps) and then I actually was the one who come on to him like a few weeks later uh, he popped up on my Facebook and I commented on a picture of him and his dog and I put (gasps) oh so cute and the dog which I know is really it's so bad. I, it. <laughs> I was just blatant. I thought, no, I, I've got a really good vibe from you. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, yeah, it's just like been really easy since. I never realized. I think I used to think a relationship had to be full of drama and stories, mm. you know, mm. but actually, like, we genuinely, like, we just get on. We don't really do anything exciting, but it's just, it's like contentment. And I think oh. that gives me faith in people again. I think I'd started to lose faith and trust in people. And mm. then I think I met Scott for that reason, to remind me that, you know, you, not everyone's a dickhead, basically. <laughs> There's nice people <laughs> out there. <laughs> oh, my God. That is the most beautiful story. And oh. I don't know. I find that so inspiring to hear. And I think for anybody that's listening that's also maybe single or is that has been in lots of, like, toxic relationships can look at that and just go, yeah, it is, it is there for everyone. And I think it's just about who knows – it could be the policeman that comes to your house. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And Amazing. also, like, I think because a lot of my friends were, like, married or had kids, um, I'd, I'd put a lot of pressure on myself as well. Mm. And just don't do that because everyone's timeline's different, you know. But I, I totally I agree. A, yeah, like, sometimes, like, some of my friends are, like, 32 and they're like, oh, I haven't found anyone. And I'm like, you're 32? Chill yeah. out. Exactly. You know, you're not 102, like, just calm down, eh? Like, you've got plenty of time, hon. <laughs> oh, my God. I could honestly talk to you all day. You are the best energy that you really are as kind as you, you know, set out to be. Like, you can just feel it and oh, thank um, you, it, it just radiates. And I, it's a, such a pleasure and an honour to talk to you. It truly is. Um, thank you. But before you go, I've got some quick fire questions for you. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is, what is your most memorable book? Oh, uh, oh, this is such a hard one because there's so... Um, I would say the most memorable book is Jacqueline Wilson, Girls Under Pressure. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. 
Jacqueline Wilson. Because I, just I used think, to love her books. Oh, yeah, like I just feel like they're timeless. Like genuinely, sometimes <laughs> I actually go back and read like Jacqueline Wilson's Illustrated Mom or Tracy <gasps> Beaker. Like I actually go oh. back and read them. And I didn't realise like they have so many deep meanings. Right, I'm going back. <laughs> Jacqueline Wilson was when I first fell in love with reading. You know, I love oh, reading so much. And yeah. I think her books were the ones that got me hooked. I was like, oh, this is as good as watching the telly. You can make it <laughs> I love your head. that. <laughs> it's so true. Um, your favourite quote? Oh, now, I always say that my dad, you know, my dad's the one that told me this quote, but I don't think he made it up. <laughs> it was probably <laughs> some someone else. But uh, he always says, bullies are like sandpaper, the more they wear you down, the more polished you become. Oh, oh I love yeah. that. That's beautiful. Well, I've never one. heard it before, so let your dad can claim it. Yeah, maybe um, Mark Moffat did create it. Who knows? <laughs> um, your most influential mentor? Oh, I'm going to say my nanny. So oh. my nan is just like the greatest and some of my favourite memories ever are sitting at her house, watching Norman Wisdom, eating peanut mm. butter sandwiches and drinking Horlicks. She's just, oh. she's had like not the easiest of like upbringings, but she's mm. such a powerhouse and she's such mm. a kind person. Um, so yeah, definitely my nanny. It's so beautiful. Um, your go-to feel-good film? Oh, Calamity Jane. <laughs> what? What's that? Calamity Jane. It's like this musical with Doris Day and she sings songs like, I've just come in from the Windy City. It's <laughs> so good. If ever I feel sad, I, get, I offer a chicken kebab and I stick Calamity Jane on and the world's at right again. <laughs> Dream. Um, um, a moment where you felt most proud? Oh, oh, that's so hard. Um, do you know what, actually? I was going to be a bit of a big head and say when I graduated and stuff, but actually I was talking about this to Scott the other day and um, my little sister a few weeks ago uh, decided that she wanted to wear a suit to the prom. And mm. I was like, oh, but do you not want to wear a dress because everyone else has be wearing a dress? And yeah. uh, she was... And, like, the way that she was chatting to me and I was like, what happens if people stare? And I was just so proud that she's just unapologetically herself. She oh, She's the opposite of how that. I was at school and she doesn't try and fit in and mm. she's just really comfortable in herself. So, And I, I do feel like part of me, I can't take full credit, but part of me has rubbed off on her and I think that makes me really proud to know that oh. sort of she'll never feel how I felt when I was young, mm. you know? Oh, that so, is so yeah. nice. Oh, that's such oh. a nice story. <laughs> I love that. Um, a song that cheers you up? Oh, I've got a few. Uh, Anything by Donna Summer. She's I love it. A, a legend. And uh, my karaoke song is Minnie Ripperton, Loving You. So I'm going to oh. go with that. Oh, I love that you've got a karaoke song. Um, yeah. Top tip for dealing with stress. Oh, take um, everything in small steps. So if you mm. are a little bit stressed about, I don't know, even just going for the big shop, for example, 
don't look at it as a whole big thing. Go, right, I'm going to brush my teeth. And then once you brush your teeth, you'll probably find you do your hair. Then you can put <laughs> clothes on. Then you can mm. get to the car. You know, if you take everything in little steps when you're stressed, things don't feel as big and overwhelming. So, yeah, baby steps. And make sure you champion yourself when you when you do push through stress. Yes, I totally, a little reward for yourself. Yeah. And the last question is, who's the first person you call to share good news? Oh, it's Scott, you know. It is Scott, yeah. And like, because he gets as excited as me, if not sometimes a bit more excited. That's so sweet. (laughs) Oh, Scarlett, thank you so, so much. You are such, like, you are just pure joy. You really are. Oh, thank, thank you so you. much. And this is this is now, I actually wrote this on my um, manifestation. Like, I've got a list of things Shut that I up. wanted to do this year. Yeah. And so no. I can tick it off now. Yeah, <gasps> so thank you. Oh, my God. That makes <laughs> me so happy. Ah, I love it. Thank you so much, my love, and have a wonderful rest of your day. Oh, thank you and you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 